sometimes on on these episodes i talk to people and and you know i really want to dig in on kind of their background and who they are and their life story because it's interesting right and that's kind of where the conversation takes us sometimes it just makes sense and feels right to have an all-out philosophical conversation where we talk about the unanswerable questions of the universe and in this episode with jivan uh that was <laughs> that's what we did um you know he, he started off the conversation with optimism as his value that was most important and and kind of explained it in a way where it can almost act as like a protective bubble that protects you from the hardships of life and, and ultimately is, is the best path to get to a happy life. And that's something that we've heard in other conversations. So I was excited in this one to really dig into that and, and question it and try and understand it, right? And understand is optimism really the best path? Is it always feasible? Um, is optimism a luxury that everybody has? You know, how do we think about optimism when there's so much horrible, disgusting, <laughs> hurtful suffering that happens in the world? Um, so we got into all that. And then from that kind of branched off a number of different directions. We talked a little bit about the Joe Rogan controversy. We talked a little about Jordan Peterson and his beliefs and, and kind of questioning those. Um, we talked about really a lot of the big questions of the world. And ultimately, you know, in, in the game of life, if you will, are there rules to how you're supposed to play it? Um, and, and I should say as way of background, Jivan is, is an author. He's a transformational coach and, and really just someone who loves to learn and think about topics like this. So he, so he really did make for, for kind of lack of a better phrase, like a good dance partner in this because he, he'd really thought through it a lot. He had some strong views and he was willing to pressure test that and for us to debate it and, and kind of take thought exercises and hypotheticals and kind of play it out and see, see what it told us. Um, so lots of really good conversations like that. Um, one of the more interesting threads we hit in this was this idea that society almost acts like a market system where th there's not actually an objective right and wrong. It's just that society, the markets, right? They kind of determine, they, they decide when things happen, when events take place, when, when things, you know, play out, society decides if it's okay or if it's not, if it's right or if it's wrong. And there seems to be some truth to that. It begs the question though, are we okay with that, right? Is society always gonna get it right? Is society always fair, where it's a fair market system? Um, what do you do if society disagrees with what you think? Um, so we got into all those things too, which made for an interesting conversation. So as I said, if, if you like philosophical conversations, if you think these are things that you, you'd like to think more about and kind of ponder these questions, and this is the episode for you. Um, so with that, let's get right into it. All right, Jeevan, thanks so much for, for being on. Very much appreciated. Uh, I love yeah. to dive right in. So I will with the first question of what's the value that's most important to you? I mean, it's a fairly difficult question, isn't it? You know, with uh, something such as a value, that, there could be a, a number of things that you look at. I think for me, and this is just in my current thought process, really, is optimism. Hmm. I think being optimistic really helps you to, to get past goals and hurdles in life. I mean, if you look at this, there's two sort of stories that really helped me to, uh, to take this to heart, really. I don't know if you know or are familiar with the Sylvester Stallone story. Yeah. 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 Where he had to sell his own dog and he sort of believed in the Rocky movies and he was turned away three, four, five, ten times. And I said, well, actually, you, you're not very good at speaking. So actually, you shouldn't really be in the film. He said, well, I am Rocky, you know, continue to, to move forward and actually manage to get the movie made buy his dog back from the guy he sold it to for like 15 grand when he sold it for like 50 quid and then managed to get the guy in in rocky so i think you know if you look at that that story after it's happened you, it's very easy to say well actually 
you, you sort of knew that was going to happen. But mm. at the point that he sold his dog, I'm pretty sure that he wouldn't have felt very good about it, would he? So, yeah. so for me, it's the optimism side that um, that helps me get through, really, because when things are going badly, there's only one way that things can go, in, and, that's, and that's up. So there's a lot I like about that, both just aspirationally and logically, because I think you're yeah. right. In some ways, it's what choice do we have but to be optimistic and hope for the best. And I do think there's a lot of logic in if you're willing to put in the work and just give yourself more chances by not giving up, mathematically, the odds go up that something good's going to happen. But in the spirit of this show, it's kind of philosophical and, and trying to question and, and pressure test and all that. So, so do you worry at all with that view around, like, I guess what people would call like um, survivor's bias or survivorship bias, where the stories of Sylvester Stallone, we hear those and those make us think and believe like, okay, that's it. That's the path. Optimism, keep at it, keep working and it works. But what about all the people that it doesn't work and they keep trying and just bad stuff keeps happening? How does that kind of fit into the, to the story? Absolutely. I think you said uh, confirmation bias, isn't it? Where, yeah. you know, everything that you read sort of falls in line with your view and everything that doesn't, you sort of discard that. And that's absolutely true. That's the sort of human nature, isn't it, really? I think in answer to your question, you do look at bad things that happen and take those on board. But as I said, life's a journey. So if you look at maybe that bad part in isolation, you know, you're going to have a negative view on the world. Whereas if you look at maybe the, the wider picture, then you can say, well, actually, that's part of the process. Maybe it's character building for you, or maybe you were going down the wrong path. I mean, I speak from myself um, on that. A lot of the time, people go and do a career based on financial potential rewards rather than what they're good at, what their passion is, what the personality type is. And I think that can come it can come down to things like that, whereas where people's decisions are based on, you know, the incorrect thought process, which then maybe leads them down a, a bad path, if that makes sense. So I think from, from that, yeah, you know, absolutely taking those things on board in, in terms of the negative, but it's it's maybe looking at that as a, as a wider picture rather than having a negative view on life just because of this one thing that happened to Mr. Smith in 1970 if that sort of answers the question really yeah it does it does you know and and part of the reason i asked this is i i've been there's two things i've, I've been reading and watching lately which which maybe i'll bring them up just to see how they fit into this this view of life um and it's not to say that it's wrong right i, I hope it's right but i i want to check um one is and I, i'm gonna forget the name of the book right now but i'm reading a book about slavery in in america specifically and like the institution okay. of slavery and it's it's meant to give some more of the details about it that maybe we don't often hear about or want to think about, right? So stories like, um, you know, slave auctions that are happening where, where a, a baby, an infant is literally being ripped from a mother's arms and the mother's being sold into slavery, probably to be raped and tortured for her life while her baby is being pulled in a different direction and she's just horrified and crying and distraught, right? So that as one point. A second point is, I don't know if you heard of the show, it's, it's pretty popular in the US right now, but it's called Dope Sick. And it's about the Oxycontin pandemic, kind of the opioid okay. pandemic in the US. Yeah. And it's, it's a lot about all the things that happen behind the scenes where one particular pharmaceutical company, at least the way the show portrays it, manipulated, lied, and ultimately got a lot of people hooked on opioids and ruined their lives um, and just destroyed people's lives. And really there wasn't much consequence to it for them or, or not nearly enough. So. One of the things I question when I hear, and those are just two instances, right? There's tons of horrible stuff that happens in the world. There's a part of me that hears that. And it's like, I want to believe that optimism is the key, but where, how, how does optimism help that woman who's being sold into slavery and her child being pulled away? How does optimism help those people that's lives are destroyed by opioids? 
like there's 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 a view that says there's just some horrible shit that happens in the world and optimism doesn't solve for that what do you say to that no that's 100 percent uh true if you look at as you said those two instances and people who get raped and pillaged if you look throughout history sure. um you know uh, armies have gone in and, and pretty much raped countries taken out all the resources etc and you can you can go on factual reserve banking system you know there to enslave humanity essentially etc and yeah I, I think for me understanding that that is a real scenario and it's a real part of the world isn't it that negative and you know power does corrupt and absolute power corrupts absolutely i think is, is, the, is the phrase for me i think the optimism is the um, you know if you look at superman for example it's the kryptonite to that negativity is having mm. that optimism i think yeah. for me that's probably why that is something that i hold quite dearly to me is that you know if something bad is going to happen it's going to happen regardless of whether you are optimistic or not. But having the optimistic attitude actually gives you a little bit of a bubble around yourself to say, actually, although this really bad thing is happening to me currently, I see something at the, I see a light at the end, at the end of the tunnel, mm. which, you know, is going to give me some, um, some comfort. And as you mentioned, the, the book in the American book, with Dostoevsky's book is, is quite similar in Russia as well, isn't it? Um, where it talks about the, you know, the slavery and the fact that they're just normal human beings that do these bad things to people. There has there have been some psychological experiments done as well in in the 70s, 60s, 50s. I think Milgram stands out and the sure. Mil, and the Zimbardo study, the Milgram where the electric shocks um, on on the the cases next door and the Zimbardo experiment in the prisons. I don't know whether or not you're familiar with that as well. Is that that's not the Stanford prison experiment, is it? Yeah, it is exactly. Yeah, okay, yep. Zimbardo Stanford prison experiment, exactly the one. Yeah, so that just shows that people can be bad people absolutely mm. but as equal as people are bad there are also good people out there as well it's a case of as you said earlier with the confirmation bias i'm not saying because i'm not an optimist that there's not bad people out there and you know if you've got a negative worldview you know you're not going to believe that everyone's a bad person so it's trying to get strike that balance isn't it i suppose yeah, yeah i get that I, I think that's right i, I do I, I often say this to my son and i think i'm saying it to him as much as i'm saying it to myself that in any situation in life in general there's always going to be good and bad, right? And it's it's somewhat where you choose to focus. Now, obviously, we talked about some extreme examples where some of the bad is just really bad, and it's hard to find the good. But but by and large, I think day to day for most of our lives in kind of the civilized world, um, it's 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 your choice, right? You could focus on the bad, you could focus on the good. Do you worry again philosophically? I guess I'll ask this: Is there any part of you that thinks optimism? I get it logically; it makes sense. But if it's not true, right, this belief that there has to be a silver lining, there has to be these positives. Is there any part of you that worries like maybe the world is just a dark, bad place, right? There are there is evil in the world. There are bad people. And in some ways, that optimistic view might um, it might put a bubble around you to protect you from that. But at the same way, it, it it doesn't allow you to address it. If too many people do that, then we're not actually facing and addressing the issues that may exist. Yeah, absolutely. So I've actually got two um, views on the world in, in, in some respects. So one is that, you know, the world is set up to make you fail. You know, the education system is to make you basically a worker, to make you not understand exactly what's happened. History has been sort of bastardised to um, be in line with those who've won. And, um, you know, the fractional reserve banking system is basically printing money out of thin air mm. to keep you enslaved. So that is a very negative worldview. On the flip side, the optimism comes 
down to your power as an individual to influence change, potentially. I mean, if you look throughout history, all it's taken is one man to change history, whether it's for good or bad. So it's a question of, well, actually, are you going to be someone who's doing it for the right reasons or the wrong reasons? Are you going to change history for, like Gandhi did, for example, or are you going to go down the route that Hitler did? Mm. You've got equal power in in each instance. But, but what about in the Gandhi example? Because I think that's a good one. So I, I press on it because I think it's a good one and interesting. What if you took the very kind of big picture view and said, you know, what Gandhi did was obviously great, you know, as objectively as we can get. He, he helped a lot of people. He, he saved the country in many ways. Yeah. But at the same time, Gandhi was doing that. There were still horrific things happening in the world. And, and I say that because um, is it really more about luck, right? right? Like, to the point, there's always going to be good and bad. And it's just a matter of luck if you fall on the good side. Maybe if you lived in India at that time, as Gandhi did what he did, and it, it started to play out, things felt like, this is great. I'm optimistic. The world is getting better. But somewhere else in the world, horrible things were happening. And they're thinking like, so if there's always horrible things happening, is really, should luck be the value that we care about most? And it's just a matter of getting lucky? Um, I think luck is, um, is there. Um but it's how you view things as to whether you believe it to be lucky or not. I don't know if you know the good look, bad look story. Uh, no, not, not based on that, no. No, so it's a, it's not necessarily a real story, but it's just there to sort of illustrate, it depends on how you view things as to whether or not it's going to be lucky or not. So there's a gentleman who had a horse and his horse ran away. I think you might have heard it yeah, now. Tell it though, it's, yeah. a good, it's a good one. Yeah, yeah, so his, his horse ran away and the people in the village said to him, look, your horse has run away, it must be bad luck. And he said, or that's bad, basically. And he said, it could be good luck, could be bad luck. Mm. So the horse comes back with five other horses, sort of stray horses. And again, they've said, sort of trying to cut the story as short as possible. They've said, you know, that's really good luck. And he said, could be good luck, could be bad luck. Then his son basically rode the horse and one of the stray horses, you know, it threw him off and he, he broke his leg. Again, they've come back and said, you know, you've got rotten luck. It says it could be good luck, could be bad luck. And the next day, the army came around and took the able-bodied soldiers. And obviously, suddenly didn't have to go to war. So, mm. again, at each point of that story, you could look at it as saying good luck, bad luck. But only once you've seen the overall picture. So then you can say, well, actually, yes, it turned out to be good luck in the end. Yeah. So I think it's very difficult. And I, and I, I can see that you're trying to sort of, get this out which yeah, get gets to, out of me which is absolutely true you're always going to feel bad or good depending on the situation but life's very easy in hindsight afterwards you go oh well, yeah it's all turned out to be okay etc but yeah as, as you said you know it depends on where you are and how you're viewing things as to whether you believe it's a, a good look or bad look situation so I, I think i like that i think what you're saying if, if i'm hearing you right is there is luck involved. There's going to be times that are good, times that are bad. You know, it's probably a spectrum. But even with that said, it still makes sense to be optimistic because we don't know for sure if that's going to be the worst thing that ever happened in our lives or it's going to lead to something better or if it's going to lead to something worse. So the idea yeah. is it still makes logical sense for you to be positive and optimistic because we don't know for sure in the moment. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like that. What What is your, if you zoom way out, what is your view of, of life and, and, and the world and the universe? Do you think it is um, random events that just happen and it's there's no real rhyme or reason to it? Do you think there's something orchestrating things? How, how do you view the world? So I'm a little bit of both. I think there is some determinism, determinism there, but also there is 
um, you know, some some freedom of choice. Like for example, if I, based on this conversation, you would say to me that everything's determined, and I said, well, actually, no, it's not. I'll just go out and I don't know, run someone over as an example, bad example. That is a choice that I've made to do that. Mm. However, what I will say is there is some level of determinism out there as well. So, you know, whether one people want to call it the creator or, or God, for example, let's take a house. So you're in a house there or, or an office of some sort. Yep. Is that office there by accident? Is it just, is it, did it just erect itself? No. It can't do because yeah. it's too structured in, in its nature. It had to be designed. You know, the, the mass had to be, uh, and the physics had to be um, uh, sort of worked out. It, a blueprint was then created for it. It was then built and vetted and checked. And obviously you're, you're sat there now. Uh -huh. the, the universe is too uh, perfect and specific. So you've got orbits, you've got, um, you know, ecosystems, you've got nature, you've got structure. It's too perfect to be random. The chance of it being random is like one over infinity. So it's a reciprocal of infinity. So for me, there is definitely a creator, whether it's, you know, if you take religion out of the equation, because I think religion is a, is a separate topic, really. I think there is something that's created us. And the question is, well, what is our purpose internally for being here? And it's trying to work that out in life, but mm. I think. Not to sidetrack us, but I think that's interesting. Um, I don't necessarily disagree, but but is that true? Do you believe that that the universe is too perfect? Like, because you could imagine almost some some all powerful, whether it be a God or whatever you want to call it, kind of just jumbling stuff up into a ball and kind of just throwing it. Yeah. And it falls where it does and everything kind of falls the way it does. And there's implications to that. And the, and the universe forms and things start to happen. And then as we, as people following like a scientific method, start to look at it, there is a logic to it because there has to be right. Things happen yeah. for a reason, but it doesn't mean it was intentional. It doesn't necessarily need to mean that it was designed specifically in that way. So do you really believe that, that there's no chance that it's just random? Not no chance, but very, very small chance that it's random? Um, well, there is going to, there's always going to be a small chance that it's well, random. Right. But well, that's, that's, as I said, it's going to be one divided by like infinity. So it's zero point to the one, basically. But if you, again, if you look at the, the structure of things, so the night and day, the, the orbits around the Earth, the fact that you've got um, on a mass basis, so for example, pi, goes on it's like a code isn't it it's like an error code so the circle divided by its diameter is pi you've got a golden ratio 1.6 if you look at the pyramids i don't know how much you know of the pyramids and, and their dimensions it there's too much specificity involved for it to be random generally random things change over time hmm. whereas if something's designed it has a clear and obvious value essentially so gravity is 9.81 meters newton meters squared and that's the force that's implied so science as you've said we actually do experiments to work out what those rules are so the rules are there and we do all the experiments say oh well do you know what actually that is the rule mm. you know things fall at 9.81 meters per second so we're like okay we'll add that into our understanding of how the rules are and then something comes along and changes that so actually that's not actually the case if this variable changes and then we add maybe a few additional rules in there so, so yeah, I think there is definitely something that's that's operating there, um, and even on the quantum physics level, I don't know if you know the double splits experiment. Mm, not, not, I don't think so. So, to to sort of put it very um, quickly, when you shoot sort of protons through these two slits, 
you can measure where the, the sort of protons land. But as soon as you start to measure it, they actually change. And it's actually a real experiment that physicists use. So the art of observing something changed the outcome. Mm. So that shows me that there is something that's actually underlying um, manages the earth, mm. I think. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it's, 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 it's obviously an age-old question, so I think it's interesting to ponder. I guess maybe even more interesting, though, what's the implication of that for you? So you, so you believe there is something that's, that's designed this or orchestrated this or in some way, shape, or form. You started to touch on it in terms of what that means for us as people. What, what is yeah. the implication of that for your life and how we should live? Um, well, I think for humans, it's quite, it's quite a difficult thing. So if you look at any other species, whether it's trees, whether it's uh, wolves or lions, tigers, who, or whoever, they, as, as a species, they will always try to be the best that they can. Hmm. So a tree will, wherever it's planted, it'll always try and be the biggest and tallest, strongest tree it can be. A lion, you know, within their hierarchy, they will always try and be the alpha lion, whether they fight each other for it or, you know, just the fact that they are the biggest and strongest, they will automatically sort of fall into that alpha role. You know, that, that's fine. I think for humans, because of the way that we've built uh, a sort of economy and, a, and a, a sort of world hierarchy system outside of maybe what that more natural hierarchy is, it's quite difficult for us. Mm. But for most people, we don't grow to as uh, as big and strong as we should should do. We we drink, we smoke, we you know eat fast food, etc. And I think for me, that's something that I've learned over the last probably five five or so years is that number one, what type of seed am I? You know, what's my personality type? And um, what am I good at naturally? What am I interested in? And how can I? accelerate that in a way that's going to give me the best results moving forward so you know this is one of the things that especially for asian families in general is they will try and put you down the the route of doctor accountant engineer solicitor and you'll probably know that you sort of self really it's it's done on a uh, you know to be a a, a well-off middle-class citizen based on the the monetary and social aspect when actually what are your skills what are you what are you naturally passionate about what do you love doing that's going to give you the the best opportunity to fulfill your purpose. And I think it's working out what that is. I think that's what life is. Mm. You know, some people work it out very young, generally sports people and um, artists and musicians, et cetera. For everyone else, it's working out what that is. So I don't know for yourself, uh, Terry, you, you know, you probably haven't always done the podcasting. You've probably worked at jobs that X, Y, and Z and think, actually, this isn't quite me. Let's just readjust that trajectory. Let's try this one. Oh, well, that's not quite me either. And, and readjust. And then you find your path and say, do you know what? This is what it's all about. So I think for me, that's one of the key mm. issues with humans is that we've got so many distractions, very dogmatic. Um, and spending time alone actually gives you that um, ability to introspect and see what type of seed am I and how can I impact impact the world? Is it is it as open-ended as that? I don't mean to suggest it should or shouldn't be. I'm genuinely curious your thoughts. Where for each individual person, it's it's about figuring out what the right path is for them and what makes sense. Or are there any guardrails or hard and fast rules that you'd say it's got to be within a certain constraint, right? Um, because I think that's, again, philosophically, that's interesting. Because I, I agree that for each of us, it only makes sense to me that we should figure out what gives us purpose, meaning, happiness, joy, whatever, and, and go for that. And that's no easy task, but that's what we should do. Where it gets tricky is if 
what I think brings me happiness comes into conflict with what you think or what you might say, right? Are there any objective rules that you think exist that we need to abide by as we do that? Or is it truly just, no, just figure out what works for you and, and go do that? Well, uh, well, absolutely. I think you've made a really good point there is that your goal and ambition may be in conflict with someone else's. You know, absolutely it's the case, whether it's football or I think, you know, uh, NBA or mm-hmm. any other sport you can, you can think of. One team's focus to win the league or the title is going to be against another team's, you know, option to win the title. Excuse me. So you're always going to be in battle with someone else. It's how you can best serve all of the stakeholders within that one one goal. Mm. So you know, as a business, you'll say, "Well, how can I look after the staff as as good as possible, the the, the customers, the shareholders, and build a perfect environment within that one cell, if you if you want if you want to call it a cell." And I think that's really what it's what it's all about. You're never going to be able to please everyone. Because by pleasing everyone, you actually please no one. If you want to go for an Italian and I want to go for a Spanish mm-hmm. or a Mexican and we go for um, a Chinese instead, none of us are happy. Does that imply, though, that it becomes zero sum, right? That there are, oh. yeah, you believe that? Um, it, zero sum, so this is coming back as a gate to game theory, isn't it? I think um, zero sum game, I, th- I think it depends on the game. Not every game is zero sum and, and 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 vice versa. So I think it depends on the, sp- the specific game that you're referring to as to whether it's a, a, well, a win, win or more. a loss win or potentially you win this part, but I win a different part of that game. And we then veer off from there. Well, if, if we if we frame it as the game of life, which may be impossible to frame it as, but but I'll, yeah. I'll try a thought exercise example, and I don't know if it'll yeah. work, but let's just go with the simple one. Sounds good. Let's say you and I both we we do some deep reflection. We think about you know who we are, what we value, what matters to us, and we both come to the conclusion that you know what I want to be the biggest podcast in the world. That's yeah. my true meaning and purpose. And maybe we have good reasons. We want to change the world. We want to help whatever it is. But the, the game we're playing is the game of life says the way I win is I'm the biggest podcaster in the world. Now, we, we both have that view. What happens then? Do, do, is, it, is it okay for me to do what is necessary to achieve that objective if it means talking bad about you, trying to undercut you, um, maybe even lying about you to try and hurt your chances so that I can win that game and become the number one podcaster? Like, where, where does that line get drawn, if at all? Okay, so very good question. And maybe just to add another piece of information in before I answer it in, sure. in some respects, because I think, you know, again, we're just talking about this as a game, a bit like poker, it really depends on what hand you get dealt. Hmm. So let's let's take Joe Rogan, because it's a podcast question, sure. sort of, that, that, you, that you asked. The reason that he was so successful, and apart from obviously what's happened recently, that's a, sure. a separate, separate issue and freedom of speech, we can maybe discuss that as well at some point. The reason he was so successful is because he's been a UFC uh, commentator. He's been a comedian. So for him, all he, he's got a network of people in that space. So all he has to do is call up his friend John or Steve or whoever and say, do you fancy coming on this podcast? You know, I'm pretty famous. I know you pretty well. You can just come, come on down and we can have a good discussion. For someone who hasn't got that network or exposure, for them to be able to match someone who's been dealt those cards already, they would have to play like a thousand games of poker to get there. So to compete, you would have to put out thousands of videos of podcasts in increasing level of 
quality of guest. So let's say you had a 500 podcast and say, look, I'm quite big now, invite someone big on. Again, then that would help the ball roll, wouldn't it? Snowballing effect and get someone bigger on and bigger until you're at a position where you're in comparative in, in terms of guests and then you're at that position. So to get there, you have to be do more podcasts of higher value and serve more people. So it's all about the, the cards you get dealt before the game actually starts. So if you're twins, so me and you are twins, then it's down to how well you're playing the game. But if you're six foot five mm. and I'm five foot three and we both want to become sprinters, there's only one one of us is going to become a sprinter. So, you, so you're saying the game, for lack of a better word, the game isn't necessarily fair to start with, right? We all start at different places. So it's not like we're equally. So, and I think that's fair, right? I think that's a, that's a fair point. Although I think Joe Rogan might say like he, he had to earn that. He had to do a bunch of work to even get to that point. But let's put that aside yeah. for a second. Yeah, exactly. Let's even assume that's true. Let's assume the game is not fair to begin with. It's the, it's the cards you're dealt. But once those cards are dealt, and you come to the conclusion that you want to be the number one podcaster in the world. And let's even use the Joe Rogan one, because maybe it will segue us into it. Somebody could say, well, okay, he, he started ahead of me. I need to catch up because I want to win the game. I was dealt the worst hand. I need to catch up. I am going to try and tear him down so that I can get that, that win that I want. Are we okay with that? Is that okay in the rules? Again, the rules of the game that we're saying? I think uh, Gary V put this best. He said that there's two types of people. One is that you try and tear the other houses down so yours is the biggest house in town, mm. or you just focus on your own house and make that the biggest house in town. So I'm more in that camp. But why? Though, is, get... it, is, it, is it rooted in... Is it rooted in like a value system or like a moralistic belief of we should never hurt other people? Or is it, is it more functional? Is it just the better way to get to the outcome? Oh, so that's a very good question. For me, it's a it's a it's a moral thing, but it doesn't mean to say that you're you know you're not willing to beat a competitor or or downplay them. I wouldn't. For me, it wouldn't be a case of trying to tear the building down. It might be a case of making mine so much better and actually saying and selling that mine is the, the right way that could, rather than discrediting the other yeah. one too yeah. much. Because I think that for me, that's not a nice personality trait. You know, if you want know yourself, if you've got friends who always say the negative or talk about other people, it says more about them than it does about the person they're actually talking sure. about. Sure. So for me, that's it's a little bit the same. The same does as that. that so back to I think the reason we got there was we were saying, you know, you were laying out, which I think is, is, is good input, good advice. The, the, the way to live life is to figure out what matters to you and go after that, you know, figure out what you what you enjoy, what you value and, and go after that. So we were asking the question of. Is it as open-ended to that or are there rules to it? And it sounds like what you're saying is there are some moral rules to this where we should follow certain guidelines. I guess, firstly, is that my capturing that right? And then two, this is where I get, my head starts to hurt is who defines those rules? How do we, like for you, you're saying it's, I'm not going to tear that person's house down to make my house bigger. Is that written by the universe? Is that individual to us that we pick which rules are right? Is it objective to say there are certain rules? Like, how, how do we think about what the right way is to do it? The right way to That's a very, very good question. I think that rule sets um, are, are twofold. There's those that have been socially imprinted on to, onto you. And I, I also believe that there are inherent rules that are bred into us as, as we feel them in, in the gut. Again, you can look at animals. Yeah, they have certain things that 
they're governed by the rules that that they feel and you'll know yourself you, you'll just get the feeling well that's wrong to do that that's, mm. that's wrong to do that and you'll have a, a gut instinct rather than some some other stuff to say oh you can't say that when you say you can't say that the way that you actually say it is based on that someone said that you shouldn't say that rather than with other stuff you'll say well that doesn't feel right to do that that is for me that's the underlying gut is one of those more important than the other uh, yeah, I think the the underlying gut is 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 more important because they're inherent rules, universe rules, as you said. Mm. Whereas a social construct, um, you know, pay your taxes. That's a social rule. It's not a a governing uh, governing rule. You know, murder. Everyone knows sort of murder is not not right. Mm. Um, you know, you just you just you just feel that, and and you can you can sense that that's that's the wrong thing to do. So, I think yeah, for both of those, you know, there are ways that you can look at those but yeah for me the moral the moral rule set is is definitely more important than the the social construct i i love what you're saying that's why i'm going to keep asking questions about it because i think it's interesting um do, do you how do we think about that gut feel one is it can it not be explained because if, if it cannot be explained is it possible that it's subjective right everybody has different gut feel everybody has different things that make them feel wrong even murder as you said there are times where society and, and uh, there are times where it feels okay for somebody to be murdered, right? When Hitler died, yeah. as an example, I would imagine a lot of people were like, fuck yeah, like, thank God, maybe, right? There's some people that would say, no, that's still terrible, any life being yeah. lost. But if we can't articulate or explain where that gut feels comes from, is it actually still meaningful? Uh, yeah, so just because you can't explain how something works or where it comes from doesn't mean that it, it doesn't exist. True. So if you carry any weight, right? Like if, if I, if I go to, let's stick with the example of the house, just that we were using. If I go to burn down my neighbor's house right now, because I want to have the biggest house on the block. Yeah. And you tell me like, Terry, you can't like your gut triggers. And you're like, you, you can't do that. But my gut doesn't. Am I okay to then go do it, or is it like that's that's where it starts to get into the nuance, you know? But that's but that's when you'll find out the uh, the communal gut feel. Mm -hmm. So you might think actually, yeah, it's all right to burn, you know, Mister Smith's house down, but once that's been done, the community around you will will tell you if that was the right thing or not to do because they will say, why did you burn Mister Smith's house down? Yeah, and that the the overall um consensus of the community will will dictate what is correct same with animals as we've said you know animals get outcasts from the the pack for going against the communal behavior that's expected and i think that's how you can judge you know yeah. what is what's correct and what isn't and there are ways that society def definitely tries to change the way that humans judge what is right and what is wrong i mean we will we'll go back to the joe rogan situation you know whether you would disagree or agree with his comments freedom of speech for me is still something that should be protected at all, all, all costs so i think what the media are trying to do is to say actually my ability to censor you or cancel you should be should go above mm -hmm. your ability of free speech and it's just not flying with anyone because the overall consensus from the majority of people in the world is still that free speech should be should be adhered to and that's why i think the the counter culture won't go very far over the next 10 years yeah yeah there's almost like a free market component to what you're saying to where the markets are going to decide um if i burn down my neighbor's house if joe rogan says something controversial if that's a problem or not and in some ways 
because I've thought about this too, like in some ways that one of the goals in life seems to be to like minimize friction towards whatever it is you're trying to do. So you could figure out what matters to you and what you want to do and what makes you happy. And it makes perfect sense that your aim in life then is to get that, whatever that might be, the most popular podcast in the world, to have a beautiful family, whatever, to live on the beach and just enjoy every day, whatever. Logically, pragmatically, part of the process to get there has to be to minimize the friction, right? Be as efficient as you can to get to that outcome. So it's not that society determines what makes you happy. It's that you live in a society. So naturally you have to consider that as you're trying to find your most efficient path to get to that happiness. Yeah. I think that's true. I just, I don't know if I'm being, I don't know how I feel like, is it okay that society plays such a big role? Maybe, right. We're part of a society. Maybe it should. Yeah. I don't know. How do you think about that? Yeah. I think with the, fr the friction thing, I think you say was absolutely um, really eloquently put really is that, sometimes you have to have the friction to realize what the right thing was. Mm. So, you know, if, if, if we, if I was to do something and, and there was no friction, how would we ever test whether or not that, that was the right thing to do? I think you have to have that friction where people question, or oh, should you be allowed to say that or not? Mm. And that's where that discussion lays. And then from there, mm. you pick a direction and it's a bit like a, a, a tree diagram, essentially, where you hit a, a fork in the road and you say, let's test with the friction, as you've said. You know, some people are crying out saying that this needs to be changed or, um, or, or looked at. Other people are saying no. And generally, the majority will say this is the correct way to go. Yes, you know, the minority generally have the larger voices, don't they? <laughs> as we all know. Mm -hmm. But the majority, you know, win because they are you know the majority and that's that's how it how it tends to work you know the minority may get more um rules initially because they are as i said the loudest voice but the majority always always actually come back to me and say no that's that's not happening any longer we've had enough and this is how it's going to be if you don't like it well you're the minority so you haven't really got much much else you can do about it really. yeah and that's interesting because it kind of in some ways maybe comes full circle in that let me pose the question this way. How would you advise somebody? So let's say there's a person who sticking with Joe Rogan really doesn't like what he said, thinks it's harmful and dangerous, whether it be about COVID or some of the racist stuff, right? Um, where someone genuinely feels like I I'm not okay with that. That's making the world a worse place. But to your point, society, kind of the markets do what they do. And let's assume it plays out where the majority says, no, he he's fine. It's okay. What's the advice for that person, right? It comes back a little bit to where you started with optimism. Should that person still have an optimistic view and say, um, I'm okay with that and things are going to get better? Do they need to change how they think? Like, because you can imagine that person feeling like, well, this sucks. <laughs> like what, what makes me happy, what matters to me is people not saying that type of stuff. But society, the markets have decided that it's okay. What, what do I do there? What, what, like, what yeah. advice do you give them? I, th I think for me, it's, it's sometimes a question of, it's sometimes the person who's being offended, it's their issue. Mm. You know, you, let's say I'm a fat bloke and you've called me fat. Mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a fact in some respects. Well, it is a fact if I, if I was to be fat. The fact that I'm offended does not, it's not your, your fault or your problem in some respects. And I know this is not the case for everything, but we could be here all day talking about which ones are correct and which ones mm -hmm. aren't. Mm -hmm. So I think for me, a lot of the time, it's the person being offended that the issue lies with rather than the person saying something offensive. And again, just to quote someone else, I think Jordan Peterson put it lovely when he was on the BBC. He says, why does your right to not be offended trump my right to say what I feel? 
I think that is a perfect scenario of equation of saying, look, why does that trump to say what the truth is? Because actually, throughout history, again, you have to be offensive to get anything done. So let's say that you've gone into a business and you're um, a transformational um, business consultant. So you've gone into a business and the shareholders have said, look, we need to bring you in. You need to look at how this business is running. You're going to turn around and say, that's bit, that's shit, that bit. You're running that part of the business absolutely shocking. You're going to offend the person who set that part of the business up, the shareholders, the, the CEO. But the end goal is actually going to resonate with them because it's going to achieve what they want you to achieve. Let's, let's take that. Because I, I hear what you're saying. And, and, and so let's take that to a different example that maybe stress tested it a little bit more. Let's say there, let's not even use Rogan just to not, well, we could use Rogan, whatever. Let's say there's somebody who has a platform who has a lot of followers and they regularly make um, racist or, or um, sexist or whatever it is, jokes or commentary. And, yeah. and they do it in a way in which, you know, they genuinely believe like, oh, I'm just joking. I'm just having good fun. But somebody has a belief that says, listen, I, I get it. I get you have free speech. I get you have the right to say that. I get you might not even intentionally be meaning to hurt people, but you are creating a culture where people are feeling like, oh, it's okay to just say disparaging things about black people or about women or about whatever minority group. And back to Jordan Peterson's point of like, why does, why does you being offended trump me being able to say what I want to say? Somebody might respond to that and say, well, because what you're saying is enabling a culture of, of hate. It's enabling a culture that makes it seem like it's okay to put people down. It helps to breed systemic racism or whatever it is. Now, I'm not necessarily saying that's the case, right? But it's a, it's a legitimate argument to at least consider. W what do you think the response to that is? Like in that scenario, is it still, does the burden still on the person offended If in that case? I think it depends on the context, really. Is it, is it said in a light-hearted manner? You know, is it, as you said, a racial or sexual thing? Or is it just that you're, um, you know, ripping on someone for supporting a different football team or, or yep. American yep. football team? Than you, so that's still offending the person. Oh, your, you know, your team's crap. Your team's getting relegated this year. It's still an offensive comment. It's still hurting someone's feelings, but it's it's in a different um, area than something such as race, um, and even within the racial space, it's again, in what respect are you saying that? So with so sometimes with friends, I've got friends of all sort of races, colours, sure. etc. And a lot of the time, when you're very close to someone, you're actually more offensive to them because it, it's a comfort you know it's done in a light-hearted way you know the more the more piss you can take out of someone generally the closer they are to you if that yeah. makes sense yeah yeah well, unless well, of course what if, what if like a common example and i'm debating if i actually want to say the word or not but well i'll just go with it one thing that comes up a lot right and let's stick with the example let's even say you and i right now let's say we knew each other relatively well and you were a fan of a, of a football team that I didn't like, right? Yeah. A common things that happens in the US is to use, it happened more in the past, but was to use like a homophobic slur to say something to that person. Yeah. Like yeah. That's, that's gay, or that's so gay yeah. that you like that team, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a good example, I think, because a lot of people would look at that and say like, that's lighthearted. They don't, they're not trying to say anything bad about gay people or homosexuals or anything yeah. like that. It's just a phrase to have good yeah. fun with your friend. But somebody else might look at it and say like, I get that. But because you're normalizing it and putting this negative connotation on the fact that because you're doing something I don't like, I'm using the term gay to, to explain, you know, my, my dissatisfaction with you. That's perpetuating this culture, which says gay is bad and, and straight is good. Now, I get it. Like I'm some people would say I'm reaching for that. And maybe I am right. Maybe Jordan Peterson's right. But I think this is the conversation to have to try and work through it. 
are, are we okay with that? Is, is that actually okay where it's like, <laughs> as long as you said it for the right reason, it's okay to say you're gay for liking that team versus it's not okay because it's, it's causing a cultural thing that becomes a bigger problem. Yeah, so I think there's two sides to that. One is, is how thick-skinned are you? You know, if someone is saying you're gay, you're this, you're that, it depends on the level of your, um, or, or the thickness of your skin and how stoic you are is, is how that sort of bounces off you. And the second is, again, sort of to reiterate what we said earlier, it's a, it's a mark, or, or as you actually use the phrase, it's a market-basing, isn't it? It's how's the market going to judge that specific topic. And that's what the news tries to do in social media and saying, oh, this is what this person says. And if you look in the comments, there's always differing opinions, isn't there? And mm-hmm. between everyone, we try and work out what the optimum solution uh, optimum yeah. solution is. So with, again, Joe Rogan thing, Spotify aren't happy with him. So he's been offered to move to a different platform where censorship is not an issue. So, could, and you said the zero sum game early, could this be a win-win for everyone where Spotify keep their brand and their image? Joe Rogan can still keep his followers. And the new platform can have or bring Thank on you, someone on board who's yeah. you know probably the biggest podcaster in the game so there can be situations where as again the optimism thing from earlier mm-hmm. where bad things happen and good things come from them so even people who weren't listening to joe rogan before didn't know who he was bad press can sometimes or there's no such thing as bad press i think the phrase is isn't it so people who didn't know who he was now know who he is and say well let's have a look at what he said gone on it is he always had an interview with Mr. or Mrs. So-and-so, oh, let's have a listen to that then. Mm-hmm. And then they start going through the whole the whole shebang. So, and again, this is actually quite interesting to say this, is you mentioned the burning the house down earlier as well. Sometimes people do that on purpose. They, they will do something bad to get their name out there, sure. create that negative press, and then use that as a springboard. Definitely. So it's whether or not it's done in the right way for the right outcome, rather than just being you know, a, an idiot about in burning someone's house down. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's can you be controversial? Like Ben Shapiro's classic, very controversial. I don't know if you saw his roasts or whatever they're called, but that's just increasing his exposure, yeah. which brings following. You've got to be, um, what's the polarizing, I think the word is. You want to be loved and hated. You don't want to be in the middle. Because there's no, there's no money in the middle, in inverted commas. Yeah, yeah, and it gets to what you value, right? At that point, what's the goal? What's the objective you're trying to get to, right? If if I could get being wanting to be loved and hated, if you want yeah. power, influence, right? Yeah. I think as we're coming towards the end here, what 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 what's interesting to me, and I think what we're uncovering in this conversation is there's probably truth to the fact that it is a free market type situation, right? I think that's yeah. been the history of the world where the majority society, the markets, whatever you want to call it ultimately dictate what's okay and what's not. The question becomes, is that the optimal way to do it? And maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe it's the only way. But but back to the example we were giving, if the markets say you calling your friend gay because he likes a team you don't like, it's not a big deal. It's fine. Um, do we trust the markets to get that right? And it gets a question of like, what's right? Because I, could, I can imagine a lot of people saying there's violence against homosexual people and, and the LGBTQT community and all that because we've normalized this culture. But you might say back or somebody might say back, well, but that's what the market's decided and that's what it is. And it really comes down to a question of, and these really complex nuanced questions and topics, is the market always gonna get it right? And is there a right? And, and I don't know, I don't know. That's kind of what scares me. And, and maybe it's what makes the world interesting, but probably also causes some of the, the pain in the world as well. Yeah, I think you need volatility in the world to make it interesting. As you've said, if everyone got on and everyone was the same, 
there wouldn't be conversations like this. Yeah. There wouldn't be football teams. There would everyone. There would be one football team who played against no one. Against no one. Yeah. So, so that's the first thing. The second is your question was, you know, does it always get it right? I think there's two. There's two markets. There's the micro market and there's the macro market. So the micro market might say this is right, this is right, this is right, this is right. But after a period of time, that economy or that civilization gets taken over or eliminated mm. because those decisions were incorrect and they added up to a situation where the best thing to do is to start over, in which case the macro decision is to get rid of that civilization. So when those um, decisions are incorrect for such a long period of time, that's what happens. And it's been true throughout history. Look at the Romans, they, they ruled for like a thousand years okay. and you know they came to an end as did um, all the other empires, the Ottoman Empire, et cetera, et cetera. And that's when their decisions reached such a point where there was no longer a, a win-win for everyone involved. Sustainable. The philosophical yeah. question in that is, because slavery is another example of that, right? Yeah. Slavery went on for a long time and then it you know, obviously crumbled. For the people that live during that time where it's in the micro, where the micro is okay with it, are we okay as a civilization, as people to say, yeah, that happens sometimes. It's just bad. You live in that time where the, like eventually it's going to fix itself. Yeah. But for you that lives in that moment, like shit, sorry, <laughs> that sucks for you. That's the part that's tough. It might just be life, right? Yeah. But it's, it's tough. It's a tough one to process. Very, very tough. And again, this is the optimism side that we, that we sort of had the undercurrent throughout the conversation is that you've got to understand that as you've perfectly put there, you might be in a bad part of that spectrum or that timeline but what you have to understand is that if you could take a step back and see the future and the past you'll understand that it's just a bump in the road it's just a speed pump on you know one of the side side streets or it's just a dip in the stock market you know it may, it may be a dip in the stock market of history though of, of the like for you you might literally die it, not you literally but there, there's yeah. or maybe maybe us yeah <laughs> literally die in that micro moment but in the course of the entire universe and the history of the world it's just a speed bump and that's where it gets that's again yeah i, I agree it's tricky well listen yeah, I, I, no no sorry finish yeah, yeah. yeah i mean it's, it's just a case of whether you're self selfish or selfless mm -hmm. you know if you look down from how big the universe is you know light years etc and then you bring it down to the earth and then you look at the the, the sand specks on the beach like it's infinitely expansive so it depends on what level you're willing to look at things and for me i'll try to take a bigger picture and say look whatever happens well, i'm a pawn in this game as much as anyone else let's look at the wider picture and so long as everything turns out all right in the end optimistic then everyone should be sort of happy really it's a nice way to end it i think it, it makes a good case for the opt a good logical case not just a feel good but a logical case for the optimism what i like about the conversation is that um we're not shying away from the ugly parts of it too, though. There are some hard parts of that. There are some difficult parts that we have to really question and think about. And who knows if there ever will be concrete answers to it. But I think conversations like this help the process. So, Javon, I, I thank you so much for being on, taking the time, having this philosophical discussion yeah. with me. I, I feel better for having had it. And hopefully the listeners do as well. So thanks a ton. Yeah, thank you very much, Toby. I'm very impressed with your questionnaire. I think you've ah, really with your some really good, deep questions. I really enjoyed the conversation and to be honest it's gone very very quickly which yeah, shows it right? uh, obviously a very good uh, very good conversation hey well thank you thank you so much